Welcome to Legal Management Talk, official podcast of the Association of Legal Administrators. I'm your host, Christina Vragovich. In today's episode, we tackle the serious and unfortunately timely subject of workplace violence prevention. Joining us today are Jack Vaughn and John Lane, risk management consultants and co-authors of an article on this topic in the upcoming January issue of Legal Management Magazine. Welcome, Jack and John. Um, Tell our listeners, in your own words, a little bit about your background and your current line of work. Uh, Sure, Christina. First, thank you. Thank you to ALA for allowing us to talk about this very, very important and timely topic. Uh, For 27 years, I was the administrative partner slash executive director at Fulbright & Jaworski, a large international firm, now Norton Rose Fulbright. I retired from that firm in 2012 and since then have been uh, consulting with Control Risks, which is a risk management uh, company, consulting company, (coughs) helping it with its law firm uh, clients on security and workplace violence, international travel, et cetera. And and one of the hats, as you know, the administrator of a large firm wears many, many hats. And and one of the more important hats, from my view, was the risk management hat in uh, not just insurance and disaster recovery, but also the safety and security of our people. And I took that very seriously and still do. John? Thanks, Jack, and uh, good morning, uh, Christina. Um, My background starts with uh, having served with the Los Angeles Police Department for 25 years. During that time, I had the opportunity to uh, develop its a threat management unit, a, a unit uh, dedicated to managing a variety of threat and risk uh, issues within the city of Los Angeles. I also founded the Association of Threat Assessment Professionals, a, a professional group of um, multidisciplinary professionals uh, tasked with uh, the Uh, advancement of knowledge relative to the management of threat and risk assessment issues. I currently uh, am a director within uh, Control Risk, um, its crisis and resilience consulting practice, and my primary work focuses on workplace violence prevention. I assist clients in the development of their threat uh, or workplace violence prevention programs, Um, I help um, consult on um, more aggravated uh, cases that arise within the workplace and uh, do quite a bit of training uh, with this client group. So that's a little bit about myself. Well, thank you both so much for joining us today. With the prevalence of mass shootings in the United States over the past year, and especially the tragedy that occurred in San Bernardino last week, um, like we've mentioned, your article is extremely timely. Should law firms be worried about these kinds of violent events happening in their workplace? Uh, This is Jack. Uh, I'll respond to that one. And all I can say is absolutely. First point would be that every employer in America, uh, regardless of size, uh, and including law firms, should be worried about uh, the risk of violence. Uh, as you said, there's been an increasing frequency of mass shootings uh, every year for the last really five or six years. Uh, on the workplace uh, events, uh, 
Many of those uh, were caused by or, or perpetrated by a disgruntled employee or former employee. And I am sad to say that I think we have to add to that category uh, would be a radicalized employee, radicalized about anything uh, that, that could result in violent tendencies. So I think that not just disgruntled but radicalized has to be added to the mix there. Uh, sometimes, of course, these things are the result of domestic violence uh, that pours over into the workplace, and that's that's also a, a serious problem. In my view, law firms are more exposed uh, to violence than uh, many uh, businesses because, by definition, in litigation, for example, you're you going to have uh, some unhappy adversaries. And so uh, maybe even clients occasionally, but, but unhappy adversaries. And uh, at Fulbright, a uh, very large litigation practice, we had a number of very serious death threats against our lawyers that were successful in uh, cases. And we uh, had to add security not only at the workplace, but even at their home uh, under some of these uh, threats. The other point I'd make is that a law firm, by definition, in the practice of law, is a place where you have uh, pretty constant high stress and tension to try to get the work done, get it get it done timely and correctly. So uh, one of the main points I would make, and John will probably make this again, uh, is that you know, law firms have a legal duty of care as an employer to provide a safe workplace. Uh, and that is a, a very serious responsibility that law firms should uh, consider. And finally, uh, if nothing else gets the attention, I hope this is, would not be the case, but if nothing else gets the law firm management attention, it would be that you have very significant potential financial liability. In my view, for a law firm that does nothing in this day and time on these risks, uh, uh, I think John and I would tell you we believe it's a foreseeable risk in today's society, and a jury would probably uh, hit the law firm pretty hard that had not done anything at all. So, yes, law firms need to wake up and worry about this risk. And so Christina, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to, to jump in and, and add and uh, mirror Jack's comments that it is very much a foreseeable risk and uh, that law firms are not uh, immune from from the associated risk. And with that, I interrupted, so I'll get. I'll turn it back to you, Christina. <laughs> All right. So, John, what kinds of things should a law firm do to try to prevent workplace violence? Well, there's there's certainly a number of of steps that can be taken, like any employer, uh, to fulfill their their duty of care. I, I think in this day and age. Um, Employees are anxious about their safety no matter where they work. And keep in mind that um, within law firms, you know, three of the four OSHA typologies um, exist in terms of challenges. And what I mean by that is a lot of workplace violence is committed by the criminal element, uh, individuals that come in and, and rob your local convenience store or rob a, a taxi cab driver, things that, that don't typically expose, um, are not exposed to law firms. But the the other three typologies that exist certainly uh, play out. And one of those is... Um, 
a risk from their their clientele. Um, in this case, as Jack points out, the adversarial aspect of it, I, I think, is paramount um, in, in terms of risk. Another typology that you can't get away from or ignore is, is the simple employee-upon-employee employee, uh, types of conflict uh, that leads to assault. And then lastly is interpersonal relationship violence. This Many times the spillover of relationship, uh, abusive relationships that that um, these issues spill over into the workplace and many times create very dangerous situations. <coughs> Excuse me. So how do we respond to this? Well, uh, you know, there, there certainly is a template for um, managing, identifying and managing workplace violence. That template was created back in 2011 uh, as an American National Standards Institute standard, uh, the template was created by uh, two uh, very well-known international bodies, the American Society for Industrial Security and the Society for Human Resource Management. And, and these two organizations got together and established uh, these standards for how an employee should you know, move forward, the things that we should be sensitive to. And that includes a core body of um, of um, programs uh, that, they, that should be internalized. One is how we screen our employees, how we vet our employees, uh, creating a, um, a prevention team, a, a centralized body of um, educated, prepared individuals drawn from the firm's um, human resources, uh, from risk management and senior leadership, uh, individuals that are sensitive to these issues, understand how to respond to them, understand um, how to administer a program internally, Policies and procedures, uh, establishing an appropriate culture for the work environment, uh, helping uh, everyone understand the concepts of, of respect in the workplace and what their roles are in uh, maintaining a safe work environment. Because every stakeholder has a responsibility within the firm uh, to uh, both identify and escalate issues of concern. The training of your employees and the entire workforce is, a, is another challenge for uh, the leaders within that prevention team. Making sure that we have cascaded down throughout uh, the entire firm's population um, an understanding of what workplace violence means what types of warning signs and risk factors they should be looking for. And again, how do you escalate these issues to the appropriate individuals so that something can be done to respond to it? And, you know, how to manage uh, incidents is another critical component of a program. Learning how to manage uh, issues that are brought forward. 
And that could include, you know, how we transition employees, terminate them, if you will, from the work environment. How do we do that both legally and, just as importantly, safely um, so that they, these individuals can move on with their lives and not impact um, the the firm moving forward. And it also, you know, a core program would include um, a, a review of their physical, the firm's physical security measures, uh, their their access control, um, you know, how the uh, receptionist manages. Um, issues that might confront them from an individual that has, in fact, made entry into the office space. All this, all these issues are built into a recommended program that that should be tailored, in my mind, to uh, by every law firm um, here in this country, and and many of these firms I understand. Operate on an international basis, and that adds just another layer of um, challenge for these firms in how to standardize uh, such a program in other uh, nations, other with other cultures. But it is a process that multinational companies uh, are addressing and are doing so successfully. So there is. There really is no excuse for um, ignoring these issues, not only domestically here in the U.S., but on an international basis. Uh, John, this is Jack. Let me add a couple of law firm uh, real-world examples that might hit home with some folks. Uh, First, I know for a fact, having talked to so many of my peers across the country uh, that are the administrators at law firms, that very few, even among the large firms, have a true workplace violence prevention program in place. Um, they just have not uh, seen that as something higher on their priority list. And so, again, this call is urging uh, law firms to take a fresh look at that because if you can prevent it uh, before it happens from with a disgruntled employee or ex-employee, or, uh, then you're some, obviously that's what you'd like to do. At Fulbright, I will tell you that at the time, and this was a number of years ago, we did not have a formal program. Uh, we did active shooter training, but we actually had a former IT staff person murder our librarian's daughter, uh, and it was very traumatic, obviously, for the whole firm, not just uh, not just for the family. Uh, and the thing that I have to live with is wondering if we had had a program in place, might we have detected this person's violent tendencies? We did not have a program in place, and obviously we missed, we missed that one. So, again, it's, this is this is life and death uh, uh, stuff here, and needs to be taken seriously. So there's there's prevention, and then as you said, there's response, right? So, what about active shooter response? How does a firm prepare itself for the worst if you know the prevention program doesn't pick up on the um, you know the possibility of something like this occurring. 
Well, from my perspective, Christina, there there is that reality that no matter what types of proactive measures are implemented, uh, there there certainly still is a risk that exists that uh, an individual uh, will act out in a violent way, and your workplace, your your law firm, will be exposed in the moment. To, to a very dangerous, violent situation. And, and it makes sense to me, again, as part of this proactive approach to develop an active shooter program, uh, educate your employees like you would for any other risk. Educate them as to you know, what the potential um, issues may be, how it could play out in your work environment. Provide training uh, to the employees, you know, it, it's it's not rocket science, but it does work. The run, hide, fight principles do work, and um, I firmly believe that in a moment of crisis, we do respond the way we've been trained, and it's it, it's that split second where you make some decision that could well save your life or, and and save the life of others. So, Jack, I know you you have some experience with implementing active shooter programs with within a law firm's environment. Yes, uh, this is the one that we did get right, uh, and uh, we I started this training at Fulbright maybe ten or fifteen years ago. Uh, we were lucky in the city of Houston to have the, the HPD offer a uh, a free speaker to come in and bring a few SWAT guys and, and talk for an hour and a half about run, hide, fight, and show some videos that really got people's attention about what an incident might look like, and then really taking them through their different options. This is, like you said, it's not rocket science. Uh, this presentation takes an hour and a half. But I'll tell you, once you've, once you've sat through one of those, uh, and we had a number of people sit through them every year, uh, you become trained, uh, and you, become, you develop a survival mindset. That's, that's the goal, survival mindset. Here are a couple of examples. First of all, in our San Antonio office, we had a near active shooter event that was headed off at the pass because the employer had advised the building that there might be a troublemaker, and he did come in, and the police got him before he got on the elevator. More close to home, though, we had a female associate uh, in Nairobi, a Fulbright associate in Nairobi, in the shopping mall, when that attack occurred, which was multiple shooters, over 70 killed. She uh, told us she reacted quickly, decisively. She didn't. Most people will panic or freeze or both. And, and it's only if you know, only the first five or six minutes, typically, that you're either going to survive or not because it's over. Uh, she got out of there quickly. She took people with her that were being were, were being hesitant, and she credits her survival to the training that she got at Fulbright. And that's the point I would make is these events can happen anywhere, anytime. So you are doing your employees a huge service to train them. And then to, and also there are a number of materials and videos available, so it's very easy to to put this on for an hour and a half, and, and you should do it every year. And I've been urging my fellow administrators to do just that, and some have and some haven't. By the way, the, so, I'll also mention the the uh, the... The active shooter concerns are so grave now that uh, I'm assisting my church uh, with a program and a plan for Sunday morning services. So 
Uh, again, it can happen anywhere, anytime. Absolutely. Christine. So does an employee assistance program have a role to play here along with the other roles that those kinds of programs play in the workplace? Well, absolutely, Christina. I think the the goal is to be proactive to identify individuals that um, have um, internalized a number of stressors and may be more predisposed to to act out in an inappropriate way as they they struggle with with managing these stressors, which can be everything from uh, depression, uh, financial concerns, uh, illness uh, with a, a family member. Uh, I mean, uh, the potential risk of losing one's job. There's there's a number of issues that play out with with our employees, and I call them troubled, meaning that they've they've internalized issues. They haven't uh, typically manifest. Um, uh, behaviors that become troubling at this point, and I think the key is to identify people in crises, um, help them to understand and identify these issues, and offer them that option of of some assistance from the employee assistance program. Um, and I, I think it's um, a vital part. Of, of any prevention program is to do just that, to identify people in crisis, uh, get them to uh, appropriate professional um, uh, resources that can assist them and get them back on the right track and back in the fr- uh, a, a, very, a more positive, productive frame of mind. And, and John, I would just say yes, uh, uh, I would urge law firms, if you don't have an AAP, uh, you should certainly strongly consider one. If you don't have an AAP, though, you can still take steps to bring in a, uh, a counseling professional uh, to assist this person that you know has must have some issues. So we only have a couple of minutes left. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Uh, this is Jack. You can tell I'm passionate about this subject. Uh, but five quick ones. Act now. This can happen to you. Every place it's happened, they didn't think it, would, it could possibly happen to them or, or in, in their workplace. The, you have a legal duty of care, but more than that, in my view, you have a moral duty. Uh, this is a, Today's reality is this risk, and you as employer law firms are in a great position to provide a great service to your people and protect yourselves, protect yourselves from liability. It doesn't take much time or money. That's a, that's the a real bottom line of this. It doesn't take much time or money to get this done. You can combine an active shooter and workplace violence training, as I know some firms do. And, again, this training will last a lifetime for those that, that, that receive it, and, and it can save lives anywhere, anytime it happens. So I'm just urging law firms to deal with this now. Well, thank you both so much again for joining us. Again, you can read an article on this very topic by our guests Jack Vaughn and John Lane in the upcoming January issue of ALA's interactive digital magazine, Legal Management. Um, That's available on the Apple App Store or Google Play, or you can read online at legalmanagement.org. 
That's legalmanagement.org. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you to our listeners and subscribers out there. Don't forget to rate our podcast on iTunes to help spread the word, especially on today's story. And for more information about any of ALA's education, events, and member services, please visit alanet.org. That's alanet.org. Until next time, thanks again for listening. 